Hey, welcome to the She's All That video podcast. I'm your host, September Smith, and it's the day after Valentine's Day. Now that the romance is faded, in this episode, we're talking divorce with Michelle Potvin, therapist and transformation coach in her business, Limitless Transformation Coaching from Divorce Victim to Victorious Woman. Michelle works with women to transform their post-divorce lives from rubble into realized potential to make their divorce a time of positive, self-loving growth. In our conversation, she tells me about how she does that, her free Facebook group, her six-month life-transforming program, how to know your narcissist, get the free PDF by joining your group, and so much more. She's open. Hi, and welcome to the She's All That video podcast. I'm September Smith, your host, and today I have a guest here that's going to talk about something that initially might be a little bit counterintuitive for you. My guest today is Michelle Pompin. She is going to be talking to us about making your divorce one of the most powerful times of your life, one of the best times of your life. Her Facebook community says it all. The name is Go From Divorce Victim to Victorious. Welcome, Michelle. It's so nice to have you here. Hello. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. I mean, considering 50% of all marriages are estimated to end in divorce, this is something that everybody kind of, we don't want to be prepared for it. But if it's almost like 50-50 inevitable is going to happen, that somebody can give you the tools to actually get through it and make it a better time in your life. That's incredible. I have yeah. to ask you, have you been divorced? I have been divorced. Yep. It was uh, five years ago now, actually. Mm-hmm. And at that time, did you have these tools already to deal with it, with the way you're now able to help your clients? Well, the thing is, I am a therapist and I was a therapist then. So I knew the skills. I knew, mm-hmm. you know, I could understand what was happening for me emotionally but I did not have um, the community or the support really. And so I kept a lot of it bottled in and that is not a healthy way to deal with it. Now, that's interesting that you should say you didn't have the support. Why was that? Was that because, I mean, some people are like, oh, divorce. I mean, it's kind of common. We should get a little more comfortable with it. Or was that you feeling uncomfortable and not wanting to reach out? What was happening there? Um, it's astoundingly common. Yeah. And it was 100% me, you know, I was surrounded by other therapists, my family, they're very loving and supportive. Um, it was just me feeling like I should know these things. I can do this stuff all by myself. Yikes. So if anybody is feeling like, oh, I can do this all by themselves, I'm guessing you would have different advice for them at this point. What would you say to somebody who's thinking, "I'll, I'll just deal with this? Well, yes, you can deal with it. However, it feels a lot better and it's a lot more healthy to be connected to other people, to have a space where you can talk about how you're feeling and get some feedback too, because sometimes it's nice to hear, oh yeah, I've been there and this is what I did. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I've been divorced. I don't know too many people who haven't, but yeah, in, in anything that you're going through that's kind of hard and you're struggling, if you've got someone else to go like, yeah, I've been there, I've did it, I, I survived. Is such a relief oh and to have you to have you having your focus on this thing of making divorce a really positive part, like when, once you get through the first initial part. So how do you ex- how would you explain that if somebody said to you, how can divorce even be positive? It's such a horrible thing. What, what would you say? Well, I think a lot of people, women especially, want to live their life differently or um, be more empowered or, you know, do things that make them happier. But I think we're just built 
to give and give and give of ourselves. And when somebody's getting divorced, their life is being kind of unraveled and they're kind of at the bottom uh, and having to rebuild anyway. So it's the perfect time mm. to really identify what it is that you truly love, that you want in this life and go for it. Which totally sounds so logical and reasonable. Yeah, like retirement. It's the best, it's the best time. You're at a crossroads. But mm -hmm. I do recall for myself and for other people I've known that have gotten divorced, it doesn't feel like a time of growth. How do people end up finding out or even being inspired to seek out help to make this a growth opportunity or make this something like, okay, I'm coming back, I'm building back better sort of thing? Well, they could listen to September's podcast. That would be one way. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I'm talking to this woman who knows all about this kind of stuff. Yes. Well, I do think it's becoming more popular to talk about it. There are other Facebook groups out there. There's more talk in the media about it. And so I think being able to identify for yourself that you could benefit and start looking, you know, in the areas of coaching or therapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had said that your aspiration was to create a movement where pe women realize that divorce can be the best thing that ever happened to them. So Considering that divorce is right up there on the top five, the list of the top five most traumatic things that can happen to you in your life, how, how do we balance those two things? Well, so the thing about trauma is um, Bessel van der, van der Kolk, he is um, a trauma doctor. He talks a lot about how the body keeps the score of trauma. And his big idea is that um, with trauma, when a body is unable to do the movements that it needs to do, it's when the trauma becomes worse. And I think with divorce, it can be somewhat disabling. People, you know, they're unsure what to do, how to move, where to go forward. And by giving them direction and, you know, the aspiration of like, well, you know, this thing has happened and now what can I do next? And giving them that movement helps create something completely different from it. Yeah. Yeah. And a movement of also people doing the same thing. So it gives you that kind of reassurance. Yeah. And the thing you're going through is normal. Mm -hmm. Now, in some of the uh, material that I've seen that you've written, you've said emotional wounds will heal regardless, but then doing the work with you is, is going to make that better. Well, I'm sure some people are thinking, well, if this is the case, there's the old saying, just, you know, time heals all wounds. What is the risk of actually not addressing this and not working with somebody to get through it? Hmm. Well, good question. And, you know, does time really heal all wounds? It's a great yeah. phenomenon. Uh, well, if you think about it as like a broken bone, you can break your bone and not go to the doctors and it will heal. It will do some sort of healing, but maybe you're not going to be able to have it function as well as it could have had you gone and had it set and had it heal the way that it needed to heal. Yeah. And um, our emotional and mental selves are very much the same. So when you move forward, I was actually speaking with a woman the other day who is, I think she was eight years out and just bitter and angry, did not want to get into another relationship, not because she was enjoying her time by herself, but because she had been still so upset about the betrayal and um, untrusting of getting in a relationship with another partner. And that's, yeah. that's a tough way to live your life. Yeah, I have to say, I know people, I've met people who are a quarter of a century out from the divorce, women, and they are still defined by that. That is yeah. still this activating event in their life that, that it was like, this is me since then. And I haven't let go and I haven't grown. And yes, he did that. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. that was 25 years ago. Right. He's what, in the Caribbean you... with the other woman. That... 
<laughs> number four by this time, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What have you been doing? Move on. So, I, yeah, it occurs to me the risk of, of not actually taking the act, uh, the action and working with somebody is that you may never get past this. Yeah. This may be where you got you know, parked and just never continued on yeah. your journey. Yeah. Oh or I mean, some, some women end up in the, the, a different relationship with the same man. Kind of reliving the same dynamic. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So I have a couple of general questions about divorce and what you see when you're working with people. So mm-hmm. is there any one part of the whole divorce paradigm that you see that's most problematic with respect to working through this life event? Like, is there any one set of conditions or events that happen that, that when you know right from the get-go, ooh, that, that's going to be hard? You mean what might have happened in their relationship? And or how they're perceiving it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think definitely perception is really important because people can get stuck in that victim mindset. Like, oh, my gosh, this happened to me. The world, you know, the the idea that the world is happening to them and there's nothing that they can do about it. That That's yeah. a difficult mindset to move past, but super important to move past. And I think, honestly, it can be the biggest piece too, because when somebody knows that something bad has happened, but they want better and they know that better is out there, they can move yeah. through pretty much anything. Yeah. Almost that you're allowed to move past this. This doesn't, yeah. this isn't the final definition of you. This is just one pit stop on the way. So mm-hmm. is that where you came up with the phrase that you use as the name of your Facebook group, divorce victim to victorious? Um, It's part of it. Really. I was thinking uh, just that, you know, even if you're the one that initiated the divorce, nobody gets married thinking, gosh, I can't wait to divorce this guy. That's going to be, or lady, woman, whoever, yeah. you know, that uh, that's my favorite next step. And so I think in some way, there is some work that needs to be done. And it does feel like a victimization of like, oh, crap, this thing happened. And moving it to that place of living your most victorious life. I like that idea, idea of movement. Yeah. And that one thing you said about, uh, you know, like we don't go into it looking at the end. That's true. And actually, particularly as women, we're told to be a little more optimistic. Oh, it's going to last forever and all that kind of stuff, which kind of then makes the whole idea of a prenuptial agreement kind of difficult. It's like, yeah, I don't want it to end, but I also don't want to be an absolutely unprotected fool. Right. And have none of my stuff. Yeah. So with with the women that you're dealing with, do you see reoccurring issues that the women are grappling with? Particularly if these are women that um, were the lever or the left, parents versus non-parents. And I, I assume this is as equally valued, uh, valid for heterosexual couples as it is homosexual couples. Oh, yeah, definitely. So are there any reoccurring issues that you can kind of see and go like, that's a natural progression through this or that's a flag? Uh, well, so going back to... Um, reoccurring issues. I think most of the women that I work with at this point, I think were left. I think a lot of times when a woman has decided to leave, um, more of them already know where they're going and how to get there. However, there are some who finally get the strength to leave and then they say, okay, I'm, I'm out, I'm out. Now what? How do I, (laughs) how do I do the next part? But that's also a different mindset. A woman who has been or who's been left, you know, a lot of times can end up with that sense of either betrayal or being discarded. And and that's a different place to get out of because that impacts your self-worth differently. Mm -hmm. Now, is that something you tackle in in your programs and in your coaching with, with people that 
kind so of forth. and and the whole thing versus feeling discarded. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. It's it's a it's a part of that definitely for sure. Is there any one thing that you that you draw upon to to kind of get across to to those people that that need to work on that like it's not discarded. Look at it this way. Yeah, that mindset shift of being able to look at it or we call it reframing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're not being discarded. Exactly. You are being set free. I like that, set free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people are like, but I didn't want to be free, but but a lot of times too, really, I mean, when you work with somebody, you might recognize after a while that um holy crap, that sucked. You know, I wasn't able to hang out with my ladies and go bowling or I wasn't able to do this or, gee, he had the smelliest feet and my whole house smelled like cheese or whatever. (laughs) It is actually so much better that, you know, you get kind of trapped in that space and you you don't realize what you're missing out on. Yeah. Oh, that's hysterical. So you mentioned that you're you're looking for in your group and in your practice, you're looking for women who believe in a better future, but maybe just don't know how to get there. Is that because if they don't already believe in a better future, then maybe they're not quite ready to do the work or can you even, can you get them there? I think you can get them there. I think that that might require more of a a counseling piece rather than a a coaching piece because there is a little bit of a difference. And when somebody knows that, like they know where they are, they know where they want to get, but they're not quite sure how to navigate that, you know, that journey. Mm-hmm. That's where coaching can come in. But if somebody's, you know, in the dark by themselves under the water, they need a, a, a different kind of support, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, do you also provide counseling? I do. Yes. Only in my state, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It's, why is it just state by state? Uh, the, well, that's how it's set up here. So you you have to get licensed individually in each each state. And so then uh, that's just the only place you can practice right now because of COVID. I can practice anywhere in the United States, actually. And then um, but then once that goes back to normal, I'll just be able to be in Maine. So each state has their own licensing regulations. Oh, that's interesting. I really like it that they loosen that up for COVID because the yeah. need for mental health counseling on every aspect of life oh, has just yeah. gone through the roof. Hey everyone, I'm just bringing in here for a moment to say I hope you're enjoying this episode and this week's guest. Have you been thinking about becoming a speaker or a podcast guest to get your message out there? It's a really great opportunity, but for a podcast host to take that risk on you, you need a solid pitch. And who better to tell you how to craft that podcast pitch than a podcast host? I can help you craft the perfect pitch that's going to get you booked on the perfect podcast for you. With my perfect pitch working consultation, in just one hour, we'll develop the pitch to get you booked on the right podcast for you. My listeners can save 20% with the link and the discount code below in the show notes. I'm excited to help you get started as a great podcast guest. And now, back to the show. That leads me to, to ask, has there been a change in the rate of divorce during the last 11 months with all this stress? As Have people just stayed together because they have nowhere else to go? I've heard that's a thing. Or are there, are there, is there an increase in divorce? Because this is a hard time for relationships. Yes, no, definitely. And actually, it's funny. I looked up the statistic just to make sure mm-hmm. uh, for how many, what, you know, the percentage of couples getting divorced was, and it is 50%. And it did mention uh, since the pandemic, and I did not, did not hold on to that piece of information, unfortunately. But I do know that because of COVID, people who are wanting to get divorced are stuck living with each other. And that is a pretty difficult place to be because 
at that point, a lot of times people will take their liberties in some ways and others, and it's, you know, a, an intense roller coaster of emotions. Now, when you say they're taking, taking their liberties, what do you mean? Well, say their partner now thinks that they can go out and go on dates, and they don't have to tell anybody where they're going. They don't have to say when they'll be home. And so it in is... In the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So I think that's even more traumatizing. It's one thing to have your person, you know, move out or you've moved out and you, you know they're doing their stuff, but you're not fully aware of it. But when they're just like, hey, see you later, you know, and just not coming home, that's. Oh, my that's God. Do you actually, has that come up in your group or in your counseling or coaching and you've had to kind of help people with that? It has come up um, in the free group. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And that at that point, people just need as much support as they possibly can get. There's just and so it, many vectors of of abuse and trauma there, oh, yeah. small and large. Oh my God! Well, talk about feeling discarded or low self worth. I mean, yeah. Geez. Oh, I'm still here. Yeah, you, you just go out there in a pandemic and socialize. Oh Jesus! Bring that back to me and the kids. Yeah. Oh my God. So. I know. Soon after I was divorced, I ended up with a, an organization that that was fantastic and i'll drop the name here i don't even know if they still exist parents without partners and it was great because like that affirmation you say of you know how good it is to know other people are going through it it was wonderful to be in a community of people who were like and eh, divorce mm, yeah it happens you'll, you'll get through it but one of the things i noticed the difference between the men and the women i ended up being kind of the on the board and being that intake person that would talk to them and with the women you know i'd say like so you know We'd get into conversation and I'd say, so how long has it been since your split? And oh, it'd be a year or two years. And I just, I needed to kind of work through my stuff. And now I'm ready to get out and, and become social. And with the men, the most extreme example I had was, so how long has it been? Last Friday. Yeah. So, <laughs> so slightly differing timelines. Like, yeah, I don't, so I don't feel you've got so it together now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're totally ready for a brand new relationship. Hop right in. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So in your estimation, from what you've seen and from your counseling background, is there like a certain amount of time that you want to just kind of wait and let, let the dust settle before you should be reaching out and working with you? Or is this something that people could get into like right after the break? Oh, as far as working with a, a coach or working with a counselor, I, I think that it's one of those things that the sooner, the better, just because you can start in those initial phases of working on your mindset, working yeah. on your goals and getting those things ready and going for mm. sure. Yeah. So now another thing about timelines, they talk about, you know, when you leave a relationship, they say it's going to take you, you can estimate it'll be half of the time that you're in the relationship to kind of get through it. Now, I'm assuming that was some core, kind of old rule of thumb. For when you're not working with a counselor or a coach, that was just like muddling your own way through. Yeah. Does that stand true today? And in, in your experience, how accelerated is it when people are working with you? Oh, I would say that that statistic is a very, very long amount of time. I think it can, like you said, if somebody doesn't have support and they're just kind of like, you know, figuring it out and getting triggered by things and not really working toward anything. But uh, I think I think somebody could do have significant changes within three months, but by six months be in an amazing place where they feel really strong and ready to take on things. 
Uh, and I, I, I think we were talking before, um, I think it does take a full year of cycles to get through, but I believe that you can have what you need and understand what you need to do as those things happen. And then after the first year, it's like smooth sailing. So you can equip, equip them with the tools they need for the, for in the first six months. Now, what you'd said about it, it takes a year in the cycle. What's that all about? Why is that one year thing significant? Well, because you end up going through all of the anniversaries, the birthdays, the the different special dates, the different, you know, holidays that you had. And so, you know, you and Jimmy might have always gone to Grandma X's house on, you know, Christmas, but now this first year is different. And depending on when that happens after the divorce, it can be really impactful or you can be like, oh, I know this is happening. I can plan for it and I'll be okay. I would think being part of a group like the, the free group that you've got, being part of a group would actually be really supportive. You know, these days are coming up and you know which of them are really significant for you and it might be a bit of a challenge. You could reach out to the people in the group. Do you have a lot of kind of community just organically growing within there, like mutual support within your members of your group? Oh, yeah. It's really been fantastic. So I, they're in the group and I see them. I just did a workshop a little while ago and the women who are in the workshop with me and kind of got used to talking all of us together are the ones who are really good at, at supporting each other. And then as new women are coming in, they're seeing that support and they're able to kind of feel more comfortable talking about things and yeah. bonding. Oh, I would also think too that, it, you know, like the longer you've been in the group, still working on your stuff, but when you see the new members coming in, it'd be a positive reminder of how far you've come. Oh yeah, for sure. And what I do also is I have a little interview series where mm -hmm. a woman who's on the other side of divorce and doing really well just pops in and I ask her, you know, kind of about her journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be a great beacon of hope for those people too. And then, you know, as they yeah. get to that place, they get to be the beacon for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So in your program, you say you use neuroscience and research-based based methods to reset their wounds and help them heal stronger. What does neuroscience have to do with divorce? Everything. Now, so neuroscience, really basically, you know, your brain has these pathways for how it feels, how it thinks, the behaviors that you have, and what you do day to day is a, a neural pathway. And so by using neuroscience, I'm able to help people recreate relatively quickly, new habits, new habits of mind, new habits of behaviors, all of those things, and um, support the, the neuro substrates that, that support that new feeling or that new behavior or that new sense of self. So creating new responses and to triggers that, that might have been really painful. Yeah. And it, what I do also is a lot of proactive work too. So it's not always waiting until you're triggered. Yeah. It's, it's priming the system ahead of time to be more resilient and to have less impact from the triggers anyway. So what kind of proactive stuff can you do with, with your group or individual clients? Oh, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of things. Um, one of my favorite things is actually it's taken, it's a practice from another neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. Well, not that I'm a neuroscientist, but from a neuroscientist, it's called taking in the good. And it's trying to identify or I help them identify a wound that they have, you know, mm -hmm. whether it could be um, low sense of self, like low self-worth. And then you go out into the world and you proactively look for either insights or situations that support the belief that you have good self-worth. You have, you have a value out there. And then you do this little, it's just a 10, 15 second practice of taking it in, feeling it, acknowledging it and allowing your, your body to kind of start to heal that wound. So do most people have similar wounds or do you kind of say like, oh, okay, that one's different. 
that one's going to be trickier. Oh. And, and I, I would guess it might differ uh, if there was abuse in the relationship versus if there wasn't. Yes, for sure. And there's all kinds of different abuse, too. So there is, you know, physical abuse, but there's a very sneaky, covert emotional abuse that's out there that a lot of people don't even realize until later on that they were even abused. Like they, they just don't see it, but they it does. It strips away at their their self-worth. Is this gaslighting? Yes, gaslighting is one of them. <laughs> gaslighting? What are you talking about? Who said gaslighting? <laughs> That's not real. You're crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, how, how prevalent is that amongst uh, the women that you're talking to and working Very, with? It was, I just did a poll of the group recently, and it was one of the highest, um, highest voted things that people were dealing with. So it'll be a, a big focus point for us. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, being a woman. Uh, having seen the scenarios, I mean, the original term does come from what a 1930s movie where a man is gaslighting his wife and actually trying to convince her that she's totally crazy. Is it generally the man in a relationship who does the gaslighting or is it kind of, you know, 50, 50 and does, no, is it related to the power structure within the relationship? I think it, I think people who do the gaslighting tend to be more of the pathological personality types. Oh. And so it's not always necessarily men. It can be the women in the relationship also. But the personality types that tend to do it the most are, you know, narcissistic personality types. You've got malignant, uh, overt, and covert. And those, I don't think they're always men, but it has a higher prevalence to be uh, a male personality disorder. Break that down. We have malignant, overt, and covert. <laughs> what does that look like? For somebody who's like, you know, maybe wondering what's the difference and... How ah. would one recognize these three different? Well, I wrote a PDF on it. You but, did? Uh, I did. It's is, in my... is, is that a free download that people can get that we can drop a link to? Um, I could probably figure out that technology. It's free and I put it in my group. And then to drop a link, I'm pretty sure I could probably figure that out. Uh, so the malignant personality or the malignant narcissist, what that is, it's a mix between the narcissist and the, um, the antisocial personality disorder and mm -hmm. uh so then those types tend what to be like what does that look like <laughs> i'm trying to be pol politically correct here but it looks like somebody who wants to win at any cost has no problem walking all over people just very intense um has no problem being very dishonest and just whatever they need to do to come out on top so it's that oh um not that we've seen that recently or anything but yeah okay yeah so that's your malignant narcissist, malignant narcissist, malignant and, narcissist, and then your overt versus your covert. So the overt, actually, I tried to do a TikTok on this. I have kids, so I know about TikTok. Yeah, it was very bad. Nobody <laughs> should ever see it. Um. Anyway, so oh, the overt narcissist—they're kind of like the peacock. They walk into the room and they're so pretty, and everybody should listen to my stories, and I'm so funny. And uh, the way that they do their verbal and emotional abuse is they'll just tell you that you're not that great. You're not as good as them. You're not as smart as them. Just very like in your face, like, you know it, you see them coming. And then wow. the covert narcissist uh, is more like he'll show up more as like a, a victim or she more as that victim kind of, I call it the snake. You know, you don't really quite know that they're there, but something seems a little bit off. And so they use a lot of the gaslighting, crazy making, blame shifting, um, this type. They'll do something. They'll make a, a joke that really kind of strips away at your self-esteem. Like, just oh, joking. 
Oh my God, yeah. you're so sensitive. Oh, yes. And yeah. then when you get upset, it's all about you. Like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? How can you know why can't you take a joke? Yeah, that's the covert. Oh. Sneaky Peter. A what? A sneaky Peter, that one. Just oh, jeez. Is that something that um, by the end of the relationship most people know what they're dealing with? Or is it once they're out and they're 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 divorced and they're working through it with with, with you and your group, your counseling, or in some other way, that they come to realize what they were dealing with? I think a lot of people, if they don't know about the covert narcissist, don't see it until they're out of it and until they've had some space and distance and they start learning more about it and then they realize how bad it really actually was. And it just pulls away at your self-esteem, pulls away at your sense of self-worth. So what are some of the techniques, the neuroscience-based techniques that you've found to be really effective when you're working with with women going through this? I do... um, what I call Mr. Miyagi skills. I don't know. Oh. Have you ever seen the Karate Kid? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how he teaches him to like wax on, wax yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. You know, Daniel gets all upset. Well, so there are these skills that we practice ahead of time before before the person needs it, before they're in a really stressful or painful situation. And uh, it works out really quite well because your brain then has that neural pathway for, okay, I do this thing. I've got this path. I know what I need to do. And then when you have that stress situation or trigger or whatever, then your brain is like, oh, okay, I've got this. But when you try to tell yourself you're going to do this new thing this next time you're having this intense emotional experience, your brain's yeah. going to be like, I have no idea what you're even talking about right now. Yeah, you so know? practice it ahead of time. So what, what yeah. does this Mr. Miyagi technique look like? Well, it depends on this. Give me, give me a situation. Give me something. Okay, I, I've got to see. I'm co-parenting. I've divorced. I really still want to smack them. But I have to be a decent human being for my child's sake and co-parent. And I have, I know I'm going to have to see him this weekend. Okay. So we would probably with a situation like that, if, if you don't have a violent history, uh, we may not baby step it and say, Hey, just stay in the car. (laughs) We might, we would make up a plan and it might be something, you know, I would ask, well, what do you feel comfortable with? Do you want to try to have a, a conversation with this human or, would you feel more comfortable, you know, kind of picking apart which, which situation kind of feels better and mm-hmm. identifying that and then, then practicing it, whatever, whatever works the best. Oh, interesting. And th- that kind of leads me, yeah, having given you that example, it kind of, kind of leads me to, to wonder, you have children, mm-hmm. I'm assuming at least some of your clients and or group members do, do you get into anything with them about, um, that aspect of the divorce? Cause there's the whole thing about, you know, like you really can't be, trashing their dad because that's part of their self-worth and that's part you know a pillar of their universe so you have to do you offer them coaching or help around that area as well oh yeah for sure so in the free group even so in the paid group i have uh, a whole unit around it and then Mm -hmm. in the free group when i did the polling we have it was i think the third highest vote was single moms so actually the talk that i'm giving tonight is on single moms and the single most important thing that they must know can you give us a hint as to what that would be? Mm, let me see. Can I give you a hint without giving it away? Yeah. They're not going to see well, this by then. So this, <laughs> by the time this comes out, so go ahead, spill. Oh, all right. Uh, so what it is, it's it's learning how to put yourself first and not for the reason, because everybody tells single moms, put yourself first, put yourself first, because you need to fill up your energy, fill up your battery. 
But uh, the single most important thing you must know is that you are constantly role modeling for your children. Yes. What you say is kind of important. What you're showing them through your behaviors is so more important. So if you're showing them that you're not worth the time, you're not worth putting first, they're seeing that and they're going to internalize that. And then, you know, who's going to show them that they should put themselves first? Somebody later? Particularly a little girl. And for Mm -hmm. a little boy, you're modeling to that little boy what his potential life partner can expect. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So important. So important. Wow. And then you could use that role modeling for, you know, what, not just taking care of yourself, but how you treat other people, how you treat, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your business is called Limitless Transformation Coaching. And you do, as you said, you do that. And you also do the counseling and you've got your Facebook group. Now you said you got a paid one and a free one. Um, I assume there's only a, a certain level of help you can be giving people there, but you also have uh, your community. What, what do you call your community? I call it the um, Victorious Women Transformation Group. So it's my community coaching group, and it is a fantastic place. It's a, a six-month program, four phases, helping women to come up with their foundations, detoxifying their life, uh, the, the fierceness over fear, learning how to move forward and actually living a life that they love abundantly each day. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing because they do, they get to meet with me uh, twice a week, once for teaching, once for checking in, and that's for the whole six months. Wow. Yeah. So by the end of this thing, you're at a point, as you said, you've got the skills, there's still a whole other six months of your events to go through, but you now are at a point where you're living abundantly. Yes. That's yeah, incredible. Exactly. Yes. So yes. if people just want to come over and visit you and take a look and see what's happening, do they just look up divorce victim to victorious on Facebook? Yes. And okay. I don't, I can provide you with a link. I will too. definitely put the link okay, down yeah. below in the notes <laughs> and uh, that, that free PDF that, that you had talked about. If you yeah. can't figure it out, I will help you figure out how to get that up there. So they okay. can, they can get a hold of that because sounds like a really valuable resource. Oh, yeah. It is it is one of the um, most sought after kind of information things is about these personality types and the, the tactics. That's one of my next talks, actually, is trying to help identify those tactics. Sounds like you have an amazing array of talks and resources available for people going through divorce. I wish I yeah. had something like that when I... I know, was, right? Was and that's just that. the free group. Yes, yes. So um, they can get hold of you through that. Easy enough to find you. Uh, obviously, your name's going to be on both the, the podcast and on the video. So get a hold of Michelle. Check it out. See what's there. Because seriously, you do not want to be wallowing in divorce any longer than you have to be. So wow. what would you say for that? Is there anything you can give us as just a, a final takeaway for somebody who is just divorced and they're really struggling? What would well, you say? I would, I, I would actually say come to the free group because there are so many resources that are in there. And actually, I have a free Valentine's Day workshop that I'm putting on about healing, dating yourself, you know, learning to live, laugh and love. And just there's a lot in there because when I was trying to think, oh, just one thing, one thing, what would I <laughs> what would I say? Come to the free group, at least, you know, come hang out with us and, and learn and um, learn how to put yourself first and find joy and go from victim to victorious. That sounds awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being here with me today and talking about talking with me about this very important topic and also for being there as this kind of support for women that need you. Yeah, I love it. Okay. We'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to take a look down in the notes to find any of the links to the goodies we talked about in today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you don't miss the next episode. Rate us or review us on iTunes or on YouTube and share us with a friend that you think might just need a bit of inspiration to start doing her own awesome shit. Do you know an incredible gal that's all that that you think the world needs to know more about? Head on over to our Facebook or our Instagram channel and DM me. Tell me about her. We'll see if we can't get her on the She's All That podcast. She's All That.